Hi, welcome. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably know me, which means that you probably know that I ran a mildly successful pop culture blog back in like 2012-ish. It was called Pop Culture Boner, and its crowning glory was that it's the number one Google result if you search for Matthew McConaughey's tiny arms. Keeping in mind this was, of course, pre-Maconnaissance, and I still got a bunch of emails accusing me of being a jealous man with a tiny penis. Neither of those things is true, by the way. My penis particularly is just enormous. Uh, anyway, I had something of a breakdown at like 23-ish and stopped writing just as it became apparent that I probably could have made some advertising money from the blog. Self-sabotage is one of my primary talents. Um, so now I'm 30 and I realize that I haven't used my brain for a while, at least not for anything more complicated than kind of yelling half-articulated opinions on the Fast and Furious movies at my friends in the pub. And they're getting sick of me, so I thought, why not scream into the void and give those people the option of pretending that they listen to my podcast? Uh, every week I'm going to try and force myself to get all the screaming out here. I don't know to what end. I genuinely don't know if anyone will listen to this. But, you know, I've got a journalism degree, so we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, you can find me back at the pub, I guess. Apologies in advance to my friends. So without further ado, I'm Alex. Welcome to Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition. This week, I've been thinking about Post Malone. So I'll admit, I'm not actually very good at pop music. And so for a while, I didn't really know anything about Post Malone. I could kind of identify him by his face tattoos, but I couldn't, like, name a song off the top of my head. Then this Washington Post article came out. If you haven't seen it, it's by Jeff Weiss, and it's from, like, October of 2018. No one could ever accuse me of being timely with my pop culture opinions. But the headline is, Post Malone is the perfect pop star for this American moment. That's not a compliment which is followed immediately by like maybe the most amazing opening line I think I've ever read. I'm going to read it for you now, just for the full effect. The most popular young artist in the most unpopular young nation is a rhinestone cowboy who looks like he crawled out of a primordial swamp of nacho cheese. That sentence is a real emotional rollercoaster for me, personally, because part of me knows that it's meant to be a dig, but the other, and let's be honest, perhaps larger part of me that loves rhinestone cowboys and nacho cheese is a little bit like, hell yeah, give me that horror movie. But the article itself is actually just a review of PostyFest, which, as far as I can tell, is a music festival that's hosted by Post Malone in Dallas. He headlines and he brings out a bunch of his famous friends to perform. It's sort of like Tyler, the creator's camp Flognor, but I assume with like less spewing of Drake, maybe. The review kind of walks us through the festival crowd and like the prevalence of corporate branding and the caliber of some of the performances. And then eventually it moves on to broader themes, such as what the success of Post Malone actually says about the state of hip hop and race in America. The abridged version, folks, is that racism is still real. Uh, I'll read out the closing paragraph because I think it really gives you the overall flavor of the piece. It says, 
What Post Malone so perfectly represents is the idiotic currents that have carried us to this present cultural submersion, where an objective notion of the truth has been systematically muddied, facts are negotiable, and any hint of criticism, be it for lacking integrity, dignity, or talent, can be brazenly dismissed as the pitiful cries of the haters. He then goes on to refer to Post as a greasy discarded barbecue wrapper, which is a fun little play on words. Weiss is kind of pretty obviously trying to compare Post Malone's success to that of Donald Trump. He's effectively implying that, like, one mirrors the other, right? In fact, I think if I just read you out the last two lines and said it was from the Washington Post and kind of asked you what you thought the article was about, you'd probably say Trump. One of the reasons I really liked this article initially was that it was the kind of writing that I really wanted to do about 10 years ago. At the time, I was sort of floating through the end of an undergraduate degree and realizing that you could think and write uh, critically about pretty much anything, which is a really exciting Pandora's box to open. You know, you want to write an essay about Charlie's Angels? Sick one. Do it. You want to think about the impact of emo music on your teen heart and also on the world? Get in there. You want to spend some time, like, I don't know, mulling over the (laughs) the success of Jackass? Why did that have such a huge cultural moment? Awesome. Let me know what you come up with. Like, ser- seriously, though, let me let me know what you come up with. There's like a 75% chance that I'm thinking about jackass at any given moment. But I digress. What I'm saying is I wanted to write sort of funny and well-thought-out pieces about the pop cultural products we consume and what they say about us. That's not what I ended up doing for a couple of reasons, which I'll come back to. The breakdown I mentioned in the beginning is one of them, but there are others, I swear, and they're kind of relevant to the point I'm trying to make. So having read this totally scathing article, I decided to actually listen to some of Posty's music. I kind of recognized a couple of the songs from like movie soundtracks and some unfortunate recent forays into clubbing, which we won't go into. Um, They've got some poppy hooks, and I'll admit they get kind of stuck in my head. Weiss's article refers to this like bubbling misogyny in the lyricism. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm doing air quotes. Now, as a woman who's just kind of battle hardened by like, I don't know, having to exist near men, they didn't really strike me as outstanding examples of misogyny. I don't know if it's bad that I need something more than the lines from Rockstar, which are like fucking hoes and poppin' pillies to kind of get me outraged. Or from the example that Weiss used, which is from Too Young, where Post Malone says he's got a slow bitch, but she keeps him on his toes. Now, someone correct me if I'm getting the slang wrong, and I'm old, so I'm, I'm like definitely getting the slang wrong, but if you've got a slow bitch, a bitch who is a bit slow, and you're having trouble keeping up with her, are you not slower somehow is this a cell phone I don't know anyway like I'm sure I could find more egregious examples in his catalog because fuck it there's always something worse but nothing did me in you know I am a visual learner though so after I listened I wanted to watch and I think this was probably like the most surprising part of the whole thing for me coming from a place of knowing absolutely nothing about Post Malone the videos are just so fucking nerdy. It's it's incredible. I'll walk you through what I mean. So the first video I watched was for Rockstar, 
which, as I mentioned, is about fucking hoes and popping pillies. I want you to think of every music video that you've ever watched in kind of a, on like a similar topic, right? Close your eyes. Let's, let's picture it together. They're walking, I'm going to say slow motion into a club. The lights are probably like red or maybe green or blue. And there's going to be a girl in a thong, right? And her ass is going to be bouncing. That's also going to be in slow motion. And at some point, Post Malone's going to like sit down and face the camera and he's going to have like a bottle in one hand and probably like a stack of bills in the other. He's going to throw that stack of bills and that cash is going to fall also in slow motion. Like you can see this video, right? You know what this video is. Wrong. You're wrong about what Rockstar is as a music video. Rockstar is set in an all-white room and Post Malone has a samurai sword. He beheads a bunch of guys. He bathes in their blood. At some point, 21 Savage shows up because he's got a verse on the song. He does not participate in the bloodbath. There's like a long scene where Posty goes on like a Kill Bill style run through the room, sort of stabbing anyone who comes at him. And he's wearing all white and Cuban heels. Now, I don't know how much time you've spent with teenage boys, but it really feels like a teenage boy's fantasy after they've discovered like Tarantino movies and vintage kung fu films, you know? As a side note, I I looked up 21 Savage because I didn't actually know that much about him aside from the fact that he was almost deported once. He's a pretty fucking hard dude. Like, he used to be in a gang. He's been shot like six times. He's definitely seen some people die. So I really, really would have paid good money to be a fly on the wall for the meeting where Post Malone and the director showed him the concept for the shoot. And we're like, all right, we're going to give you a sword and you're going to learn some sick knife choreography. (laughs) And then the awkward silence that had to have followed until someone broke and said, no, 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 cool, 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 cool. No problem. No problem. You can just, um, no, show up. Showing up would be really good. (laughs) Anyway, I was a, a little surprised by Rockstar. And then I thought one weird video is probably an outlier. Shouldn't be counted. So then I watched Circles. Now, Circles as a song is this kind of classic musician trying out some sad boy shit. You see it kind of often with like stadium rock bands where they get really big for one song about sex and sort of doing coke. And then they follow it up with something about how a woman hurt their feelings one time. And the video is always like shot in a sepia haze and there's a wind machine and everyone's wearing sort of white linen. Circles is... Uh, not that. (laughs) Circles has Post Malone as a knight. Like a a full-blown Dungeons and Dragons. He's on a horse. He's got a suit of armor on. He's on his way to, like, rescue a princess. At some point, the dead wake up or, like, he dies. It's hard to say. It's not, like, a cohesive video. He has a sword again. (laughs) And it's... Like, again, it just reads like a teenage boy nerd fantasy. He's the hero. He's going to rescue a princess. He's got another video where he's on a tank. That's three nerd boy fantasies. That's Dungeons and Dragons, Samurais, and War. So you've gotten to this point and you're like, what do these music videos have to do with rhinestone cowboys and nacho cheese, Alex? I thought he was killing the music industry. 
Um, the point is, I read this really scathing article about Post Malone and how he's mirroring the decline of American culture. And on listening to and watching that content, I think I somehow expected something more. It feels really weird to be pointed to the literal decline of American pop culture and find a product that just feels like a teenage boy's wet dream. I think Weiss raises a few really good points about the shallow nature of the music and like the appropriation of black culture. He mentions this Post Malone quote from an interview where Post says that if you want to cry or think about life, you shouldn't listen to hip hop. And we know that that isn't true. Like there's a really good episode of the Patriot Act where they discuss the fact that hip hop is such a global product now that it's overtaken rock music in the Nielsen ratings is like the most listened to genre. In fact, Spotify's most streamed artist of 2019 was actually Post Malone. And that's something of a disconnect, right? It's the world's biggest genre. It's born really defiantly out of like black neighborhoods. It's generated as protest music and it reflects really marginalized experiences. And it's being dominated by a white rapper with some facial tattoos and no point of view. I think the stumbling blocks that I hit, I think there are three of them that I hit with Weiss's line of thinking. The first is that somehow hip hop has to be thoughtful. Now, not to sound like an idiot, but there's nothing wrong with a really good hook and some stupid lyrical content. I mean, with limits, obviously. Fuck a Nazi, you know, no one likes that shit. But like, let's think about, I don't know, Drake, for example. He's one of the most streamed artists of the last decade. And I know he makes some really emo shit lyrically, but his most streamed song of all of his songs is One Dance, which is literally just about needing to have one more dance with your girlfriend before you leave town. There's also some other really weirdly controlling shit about how she has to text him back while he's on the road. But the reason it's so huge is it's got a really good hook and you don't have to think too hard about it. Or you can be like me and hugely overthink it in the context of the rest of Drake's behavior. But that's not for everyone, you know? Sometimes you just want a song that's about getting drunk and having a bit of a boogie, you know? And yeah, there are definitely examples of artists that manage to blend really thoughtful lyrical content with party tunes. But whether or not that makes them better artists is kind of subjective, right? This line of reasoning also really keeps the onus on artists in a predominantly black genre to kind of continuously produce this really meaningful content while simultaneously denying them access to the kind of dumb party tunes that translate to a mass audience. My second issue with Weiss's commentary is the white hip-hop artists that he holds up as examples of doing something right. The artists he mentions by name are kind of like a list of the usual suspects. Uh, Eminem obviously takes up the most column inches, but we all he also name checks like Macklemore and g Easy, and praises them for kind of confronting their white privilege and, in g Easy's case, dropping out of a racist H&M ad campaign. The bar is too low, I think. Like, I grew up with Eminem, so despite the many, many hideous things about him, uh, his liberal use of homophobic slurs, for example, or the extensive fantasies about killing his ex-wife that formed the backbone of, I don't know, most of his early music, like his entire first album. I still know all the words to Lose It and Real Slim Shady, 
And I do think he has an element of self-awareness. Like D12's song, My Band, is essentially this extended bit about how people only give a shit about Eminem and not the seven equally talented black guys behind him. But I don't think it's fair to say that he's constantly attacking the hypocrisies of American culture that got him famous, which is sort of what Weiss implies. He's said some really great things in the last couple of years about police brutality, uh, particularly as it impacts African-American boys and men. Uh, And he also denounced Trump. Uh, And he told his audience that if they weren't with him, they could fuck off. But those statements have really only come with age and like enough of a sense of security in his career that telling what I can only assume is like half of his audience to fuck off has absolutely zero impact on his finances. Like he's already ridden that wave to his current spot, you know? Now, Macklemore, uh, despite the fact that he's probably spends or like sp- spent, has anyone, has anyone seen Macklemore lately? Let's go with spent. Despite the fact that he spent more time actively talking about white privilege in public is somehow even more irritating. Weiss references a really specific incident where Macklemore posted a text he sent to Kendrick Lamar to Instagram after the Grammys as an example of not reading the social cue correctly, but still kind of doing his best, you know? Now, if you don't remember, Macklemore beat out Kendrick Lamar for the best rap album at the Grammys a few years back, and then he sent Kendrick a text saying, you were robbed by me, sorry. And then he posted that text to Instagram. Now, let's be clear, there is absolutely no timeline where Macklemore should be winning best rap album if he's in the running against Kendrick Lamar. Short of sort of, I don't know, Kendrick recording himself pissing for five minutes and calling it a hit. But beyond that, sharing the private guilt of winning with his overwhelmingly white audience who are already sort of primed to like slap him on the back for being woke or whatever is deeply distasteful. Also, there's nothing stopping you from just like not taking that award, you know? Like we've all seen Mean Girls, just hand it over to someone else. So even if he did spend a chunk of his album doing some weird rap skit about how his audience needs to confront their prejudices about race and sexuality and thrift shopping for some reason, he's still like clearly learning himself. And then he did that weird anti-Semitic bit on stage a few months later. Surprise, anti-Semitism. It's everywhere. Uh, And it really sort of became apparent that he was probably not on as much of a high horse as he would have us believe. Uh, It would also be remiss of me not to say while talking about Macklemore that Same Love, for as big of a song that it was, fucking sucked. Just play something else. Anything else. Anyway, I'm not going to tackle G-Eazy because I don't know anything about him and I tried to look him up and I saw his face and was just kind of hit with this like wave of exhaustion. But I will say the bar shouldn't be so low as to count not participating in a racist ad campaign as something that makes the list of good boy moves. My point is there's this kind of fantasy that Weiss indulges in where there's like a magical threshold of tackling race that artists need to achieve in their lyrical content in order to be able to produce hip hop music 
And while I do think that white artists should have some sort of fundamental appreciation for hip hop's roots and repay their creative debt, to use Weiss's phrasing, I don't think there's a good way to do it when you're essentially selling a product. Which brings me to my final issue with Weiss's article. Post Malone is an easy target that's designed to distract us from the actual issue, which is that hip hop is a product now. It's a global product. Remember all that stuff I said about it overtaking rock in the Nielsen ratings? I had a look at the Nielsen report because I'm a fool who likes a bit of data visualization. Seven of the 10 most streamed artists were rappers. Of those seven, four are with labels under the Universal Music Group, two are with labels under the Warner Music Group, and one is currently on an independent label, but was previously on a label associated with Universal Music. That is a huge amount of money that's funneling back into a very small group of white men who saw dollar signs to be made from biting black culture. Not to be wildly cynical, but as technology kind of progresses, the guesses that those people make about what's going to blow up become less of a guess and more of a direct chomping of your data. These are men in a room with a vested interest in billion-dollar profits trying to understand what might be missing from a black genre to make those dollar bills stack even higher. And because of the casual and internalized racism that really underpins everything that we do, the answer is always white dudes. And that's why we end up with Post Malone or Eminem or Macklemore or any of them, really. While we can hope and pray that our favorite musical artists might somehow have enough of a brain to kind of understand that this might be the case and that their success is probably actually reflective of broader prejudices and failings as a species, they're probably not going to. Like circling back on the point I made earlier about why I never made the leap to writing funny and insightful think pieces about pop culture, beyond the breakdown, it's actually just really difficult to get it right. Is there a problem with the fact that Post Malone doesn't think hip-hop should be smart? Yeah. Does that say more about Post Malone or the way the genre is marketed? Who knows? If we keep pulling on that thread, do we just end up back at capitalism is an inherently racist system that slowly eats us all from the inside and nothing and no one is safe? I mean, yes, absolutely. That's where we always end up. To me, Post Malone just seems like a teenage boy with some video game fantasies and an ear for a catchy hook. And there is a literary part of me that's like, ah, yes, the perfect metaphor for crumbling Americana. But to be honest, I'm not even sure that he's the worst or most insidious example, you know? And the decline of popular culture is never down to an individual artist or the audiences who listen to them. If we really believe that popular culture is in decline, then the fault lies with companies who cynically back and promote particular artists in order to continue to generate profit on a known formula and therefore keep the status quo white regardless of genre. Well, uh, that's the end. Did I make a point? Hard to say. Look, to be honest with you, I actually just started writing this because I wanted to talk about Post Malone's really weird music videos. Uh, so you should all check them out and tell me about it next time you see me at the pub. Peace.